Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Her name was Sinjue, but she's now known to many as Lady Dai. Born around 213 BCE, Lady Dai was an important figure during the Han Dynasty. She had an eye for the finer things in life and was considered one of the social elite. She wore mostly silk clothing and cosmetics such as blush and powders to show off her wealth. Her lavish parties were catered with foods and wines only ever tasted by the royal family and the ruling class. She also entertained her guests with performances by musicians who played only for her. And when she wasn't hosting elaborate gatherings, Lady Dai could be found playing the guqin, an instrument typically studied by the upper crust of Chinese society. Unfortunately, for all the whining and dining she did, Lady Dai didn't get around much. It was her stationary lifestyle that most likely contributed to her premature death. It's believed that at the age of 50, she suffered a heart attack brought on by a high-cholesterol diet. Her body was interred alongside her late husband, and eventually her son, in tombs deep underground. Buried with her were clothing, boxes of makeup, musical instruments, eating utensils, and other personal items. However, it wasn't Lady Di's life that proved to be that interesting. Based on what we know today, she lived like many of her peers and died young, her lifestyle proving a little too rich in more ways than one. It wasn't until over 2,000 years later, in 1971, that we learned about one thing that set Lady Dai apart from everyone else. As Mao Zedong spread fear across China of vague threats from a capitalist nation, meaning the United States, citizens all over the country started digging bomb shelters beneath their homes, which is why workers at a hospital in the capital of the Hunan province had begun digging into the side of a nearby hill. They had only dug about 100 feet down before stopping for a smoke break. What they didn't know was that just on the other side of the dirt was an open shaft leaking a flammable gas right behind them. They lit their cigarettes, which in turn ignited the air in dazzling bursts of blue fire. A team of archaeologists were called in to examine the scene, but the level of funding needed for a full investigation could not be procured, so they reached out for help to an unlikely source, local high school students. 1,500 teens volunteered to dig and sift as they worked their way down 50 feet of clay into a series of cavernous tombs. Each of the three noble corpses occupied their own tomb, but it was Lady Dyes that proved to be the most extraordinary. In its center stood a coffin painted black, a color signifying death. Within that coffin were three others, nested one inside the other, painted in different color schemes to depict the journey to the afterlife. They had been adorned with images of clouds, animals, and important places designed to tell a story of life, death, and rebirth. It was inside the fourth and smallest coffin where archaeologists made their most important discovery. Up until then, the mummies discovered in places such as Egypt had experienced significant levels of decay. Even with no exposure to the sun or the elements, their bodies had been desiccated into little more than dry skin on brittle bones. 
Lady Di, however, was a sight to behold. Her skin was soft and pale with a presence of moisture. Her arms and legs could still bend at the joints, and none of her organs had deteriorated. Even her hair and eyelashes had remained in place, and there were trace amounts of red blood in her veins. An autopsy was performed, the results of which gave doctors deep insight into how she might have lived when she was still alive. They even found the vagus nerve, which is as thin as a hair and controls the expansion and constriction of the lungs. It often disintegrates with other body tissue as the body decays, but it was still present in Lady Di. We know more about the Han Dynasty today than we ever had before, all thanks to Lady Di. Her near-perfectly preserved corpse, as well as the array of items found inside her tomb, have shed a light on an era of China's history, long thought lost forever. And there may still be more to learn, either from her or the other tombs still hidden beneath the streets. It seems the ancient Chinese understood that the preservation of their dead was just as important as the preservation of their history. Sometimes, we just have to dig a little deeper to find it. It's been said that the eyes are the window to the soul. Though I'm willing to bet the eyes are more like windows in more ways than one. Look through a warped one and you're liable to see strange shapes or mismatched colors. Or you might not see color at all. The way the eyes perceive light significantly affects how one sees the world. I mean, entire swaths of the internet have waged war over the color of one particular dress. A gold dress. However, there is a condition of the eye that doesn't affect how we see color, and it's a bit more complicated. It's called stereo blindness, and it affects 3-5% to of the population. People diagnosed with stereo blindness are unable to accurately determine the depth perception of objects. A forest of trees might look like one flat panel of green and brown. Someone might knock over a bottle of soda on the table, not realizing it's 6 inches away, rather than 2 feet. Neurobiologist and professor Susan Berry, also known as Stereo Sue, suffered from stereo blindness in the 1950s when she was only a few months old. During the first several years of her life, she underwent a number of operations to attempt to realign her eyes. Unfortunately, they didn't have the intended effect, and she still had trouble reading road signs at a distance or seeing hands raised at the back of her classroom. Years later, she worked with a vision therapist who would help her achieve true stereoscopic vision. Bruce Bridgman was another such person plagued by stereo blindness, and his story is somewhat stranger than Sue's. Born in 1945, Bruce had always been a three-dimensional person living in a two-dimensional world. Doctors examined him from a very young age, and while the idea of surgery had been considered, his parents decided not to pursue it. They let nature take its course, and Bruce lived a perfectly normal, if a bit flattened, life. You see, while most people's eyes point forward, thus allowing them to perceive depth and distance, Bruce suffered from a condition called exotropic strabismus, also known as lazy eye. Except instead of only affecting one of his eyes, both of them pointed outward, hindering his vision. Like Sue, Bruce was also a neuroscientist, 
and had studied his own vision since the 1980s. He noticed how freeway signs were unreadable until he'd already passed their exits, and how other people had trouble understanding if he was looking at them or not during a conversation. It wasn't until 2012 when Bruce got a whole new perspective on life. Literally. He and his wife decided to go see the new Martin Scorsese film, Hugo, which was being shown in 3D at the local theater. As the movie started rolling, Bruce slipped on his pair of 3D glasses and marveled at how everything on screen seemed to jump out at him. He was able to determine the depth between characters and scenery for the first time in his life. He'd never experienced a film this way before. And for two hours, he felt like everyone else. When the movie ended, Bruce removed his 3D glasses, expecting to re-enter that flat, two-dimensional world that he'd left behind earlier. Instead, he noticed how things were a little brighter. There was a lamppost across the street. And I'll say that again if it didn't sink in. There was a lamppost across the street. Hours before, there had been no such thing as across the street in Bruce's world. Now, scientifically speaking, there's no official proof as to what really happened to Bruce's vision. But the working theory is that the 3D film jump-started his visual system. Somehow, it realigned his eyes, allowing him to perceive depth. And while what happened to Bruce isn't something that can fix everyone facing stereo blindness, under his specific circumstances, it worked like a charm. Despite the apparent movie theater miracle, though, there's still a lot more work to do. Bruce continues to train his eyes and improve his stereo vision. So while the film didn't entirely cure him, it's obvious that the effects of 3D technology made all the world of difference. I guess you could say... It was worth the price of admission. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.